What's up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Tech in Shanghai podcast. Over the past two years, I've had the opportunity to speak with a number of motivated and inspiring entrepreneurs, building amazing companies and transforming industries in the process. When speaking of the status quo, though, perhaps none are more ingrained than that of the global financial and monetary system. With huge amounts of money, power, and influence at stake, it's no wonder this industry has been notoriously resistant to change. Furthermore, given the gargantuan regulatory and legal walls erected around this industry, it is much more immune to radical disruption than many others. The free, decentralized, and open-source attributes that have permeated other sectors have thus far been resisted by the financial industry, but that doesn't mean nobody is trying. Perhaps no enterprise is more ambitious in this regard than that of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not attempting to make transfers quicker or help make payments on your phone. Though it can do these things too, rather Bitcoin is trying to completely transform how we transfer and store value. It's doing so by providing a decentralized network of exchange backed by revolutionary cryptography and without any one person, group, organization, or government pulling the strings. It's the most democratic form of money that's ever been created, and it has a lot of people excited. One of those people is a former guest on the show and the co-founder and CEO of BTCC. The world's leading Bitcoin financial platform, Mr. Bobby Lee. With so much going on in the world of Bitcoin, I invited Bobby back on the show to discuss the goings on over the past 12 months or so since we first spoke. We discussed the DAO excitement and controversy, the recent run-up in the price of Bitcoin, the upcoming block reward having, what kind of traction Bitcoin has garnered over the past year, the possible influence of AI over Bitcoin, his own investments in Bitcoin startups. The emergence of Craig Wright as Satoshi Nakamoto, and lots more. We also discussed the cool new services that BTCC has added to its platform, and got an insider pre-launched look at their new Titanium Bitcoins. It's always great to have Bobby on the show, and thanks to everyone who enjoyed and gave us feedback on the first interview with Bobby. Hopefully, you'll like this one even more. So, without further ado, I give you the co-founder and CEO of BTCC, Mr. Bobby Lee. Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the Pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition—it's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast—the future is now. Bobby, welcome back to the show. Yes, thank you, John. So we were just、uh, kind of reminiscing that it hasn't even been a year since we did the first one. I think it was like August or September last year、yeah. that we did this. And、uh, but the world that you operate in moves so quickly, and the company that you're at the helm of develops so quickly, and new services and a larger team and all that kind of stuff. That、uh, I thought not only was it a good time to reindulge my kind of.、Uh, Enthusiasm in Bitcoin, but also you know so much has gone on that I just I want to hear from the horse's mouth <laughs> what exactly is going on. So welcome back. Yeah, thank you.、Um, before we get、uh, kicked off into、uh, all the different things that are going on, can you just give me kind of like a brief state of the union? You know, since we last spoke、since、about like where Bitcoin is at, some of the 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 wins, some of the the concerns, just. You know, I, I know you're on. You're the chair of the Bitcoin Council, or you're. you're I'm a board member, board of, member the of the vice chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation. Foundation, sorry,、yes. yeah.、Um, so, if anyone should know, perhaps it should be you. So maybe you can you can update us all on state of the union of Bitcoin. 
Yeah, a lot has happened since uh, since last late summer. I think it was either August or September. So it's been it's been about ten months, and a lot has changed. Things have been going really well with the company with BTCC. We we since renamed to BTCC. Right. Uh, that's a, that's the sound of China, everybody. We can't do much about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was BTC China before, as you know, for the first four years. Yeah. And now we're, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary earlier this month. Congratulations. And, of course, with Bitcoin – thank thank you. And, of course, with Bitcoin, a lot has changed as well. The price has gone up uh, quite a bit. It's almost – I would say it's more than doubled mm-hmm. since that time. And most of that yeah. move has happened in the last couple of months, In the right? last couple of months, yeah. yeah. It, it went up a, a, a bit in the fall and mm-hmm. winter. And then this spring – uh, it went up m- even more so. It's gone up just maybe 50% just in the last month, month and a half. And I know this may not always be clear, but attributed to what, in your opinion? A few big things. I think one of the most visible is the upcoming block reward having. Right. That's coming up in early July. Mm-hmm. Which uh, to layman means that... It means that uh, essentially Bitcoins come out to the world via this mining pool, mining lottery, if you will. It's right. like a lottery. It comes out at 25 every 10 minutes, yeah. roughly. And the prize amount is 25 per 10 minutes, but the prize amount will go down by half mm-hmm. uh, starting next month. Right. And what happens is it's, it's a prize pool that, that actually fills all the Bitcoins in the world. As people know, there's only 21 million Bitcoins. How does it come about? It's not actually given out by the Federal Reserve, right. nor is it printed, nor is it handed out to certain people of certain ethnicity. Yeah. It's really a free-for-all through the thick process called Bitcoin mining. Right. And at so the you, end of that process, there will be 21, not currently. 21 right? million, correct. Yeah. At the end of the process, which is going to last for another 100-plus years, wow. there will be at most 21 million. Yeah. Uh, however... Right now, I think we're, we're close to 16 million, 15 and a half, 16 million Bitcoins in circulation in the world. Right. So every day it gets increased by the 25 per 10 minutes, which is roughly 300, sorry, 150 per hour, mm-hmm. which is about, uh, what is that, 3,600 per day. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. And so the, the, the halving is kind of like a big deflationary step. Right? Yeah, which, yeah, which, it's, a, it's which, a big event in the Bitcoin world. It happens only once every four years, roughly. Right, and th- this is the second time it's going to happen. So we used to be fifty coins per per block mm-hmm. prize. Now we're in the second phase, which is twenty five, and then come July, we're going to be in the third phase, the third era, mm-hmm. and that's going to become twelve and a half. Become right. twelve and a half. Okay. So with that in mind, people are like, "Oh wow, Bitcoin truly is limited," and the scarcity comes into play. Right. The fact that people realize that Bitcoin's not going to be printed forever. Yeah. And when it reached 21 million, and of course there are miners who spend a lot of money on the capital expenditure and the electricity, mm. so their costs, the, the rewards will go down. So right. that's why the, somehow if the price goes up, it compensates for the reward coming down. Right. So there's a little bit of anticipation and the price going up. Right. So that's the Bitcoin side, but there's also a reason people talk about the macroeconomic situation. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Recently, the Brexit issue. I wanted to touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so, you know, this this happened very recently. Was it yesterday, right? The yeah, vote yeah. came out. Um, and, you know, we last time we were here, we talked about, you know, things like uh, Cyprus and Greece. And, you know, now in the world, you know, you know, there's a lot of issues going on in Brazil. Obviously, Venezuela has a lot of issues. And we, we, we kind of, I think a lot of people in the Bitcoin community are always kind of wondering, like, how much do these events influence Bitcoin? Because I don't think it's entirely clear right now. And certainly if you look at the market cap of Bitcoin, 
a lot of that disorder is not translating to huge moves in Bitcoin because when we look at the size of these economies and the scale of their issues, the market cap of Bitcoin doesn't necessarily represent that a, a lot of those people are using Bitcoin as a solution. But it certainly kind of seems to be like stirring the pot and like re-emphasizing or reminding people that something like Bitcoin exists that could, you know, s secure them, save them preemptively, um, uh, you know, reduce the, the negative impact that the, these different economies and currency fluctuations might be having on their savings. Yes. Um, but what, what is uh, the impact of Brexit, in your opinion, or what will be to Bitcoin, if any? Yeah, to be honest, I don't think Brexit has a huge impact on Bitcoin mm -hmm. directly. I think, as with anything in the world, the correlation is all human. Right. It's the human psyche, the human mind, the thinking that brings correlation together when, when it comes to market activities and, and movements in prices and stock markets and so on. Yeah. So if you, enough people think Brexit has an impact, let's say a positive price impact on Bitcoin, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Even right. though, if you ask me, logically, it's not. It's not a. It's not a big, big thing. The logically, what makes a bigger deal is the is the block reward having come mm -hmm. July. Right. That's that has fundamentals in it. Um, just just like I, th I think Bitcoin price goes up in spurts, and they it, it always it's always correlated to worldwide events, um, be because in the end, the price of Bitcoin, the market price is. Is sort of managed, not managed, but it's 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 made by the people, the market participants, the people buying and selling, and right. people are influenced by news events in the world. Right. So whether it was the first uh, uh, in 2013, about three years ago, there was a first wave of price going up in around March, April time, right? Yeah. So that was people say correlated to the Cyprus events. Right. Cyprus, the banks, the bail, the bailout, the fa the bank failures and the closures and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, we've we've had worldwide events, financial events, all all the last few years. And every time something big happens, um, Bitcoin price moves. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Bitcoin itself was created. The white paper came out right after the two thousand eight financial crisis. Yeah. So, so Bitcoin really does provide an alternative to the current monetary system in place. Mm -hmm. Today, we're, we we have in place a system of money. We take it for granted, but the money system today that's in place has not been around all that long. It's only right. been around for a few decades. Yeah. Essentially, after uh, Nixon took us off the, the gold standard yeah. in 1971. So for the last 45 years, we're on a money system where there is no base. Yeah. It's just money, 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 different currencies, different countries printing different amounts, mm. and they all stack on each other. And it's all paper money. It's almost like, you know, if I if I be more mean about it. it's almost like monopoly money right right it's different countries printing different monopoly money yeah and it's it's legal tender but there's no base and there's, there's nothing to exchange it we talked a little bit about this last time and i think I'm, I'm i'm fascinated by kind of like this the the phenomenon of the status quo yeah you know because like you just said you know coming off the gold standard or any any ties any uh redeemable uh value for gold for u.s currency and most currencies around the world in the 70s, effectively, it's a brand new experiment that's been running. If you, you know, human history, human yes, cultural yes. history, I mean, it's very, very new. You mean off the gold standard? Off the gold standard, yes. just to have paper. And it doesn't mean there's anything in a bank deposit waiting for you. It yes. just means the government says it's worth this much, trust us, and use it. Yes. And, um, but the phenomenon of the status quo is that 
that happens. And, you know, of course, certain people aren't that familiar with how things work and all this kind of stuff. And it just, you know, and, and when confronted with things like Bitcoin, people will say, oh, you know, that's never going to replace uh, this. You know, it's U.S. dollars. But that has been, you know, the status quo, even for a short period of time. And people buy into it so much. And I think that's, you know, the case was so often with innovation, right? You know, people, be, you know, vehemently believe in the status quo until it's obvious that the status quo had faults or, or was doomed, you know, That's and right. then everyone goes, oh, yeah, of course. You know, there's a quote by someone there. I can't remember what it is in terms of, you know, like first people will ridicule you, then they'll, you know, act violently against you and then they'll hold it as self-evident or something like that. That's right. That's right. Um, but so that being the case, I mean, what, you know, in terms of this status up, update of, of Bitcoin, you know, we talked about uh, different currency fluctuations around the world. What else has gone o on in the intervening 10 or so months since we've spoken that are like kind of big events in the Bitcoin world? There's there a couple was, I want to ask you about, but if you can point yeah, out the ones was, that are important to you. Last fall, there was a huge pickup momentum in a, uh, in a Ponzi scheme, in a worldwide Ponzi scheme run by uh, – a Russian national. I, I think I remember the correct the name is Mavrati. So there was an MMM. It's called the Triple M, the 3M. Right, right. MMM uh, sort of Ponzi scheme that was popular in the fall and winter. It went on uh, to about January, February. So that that may have helped drive up some prices a bit last fall. We certainly saw it drive a lot of activity in China. So unfortunately, a lot of Chinese people were participants in that mm -hmm. and as with all ponzi schemes eventually falls on itself mm -hmm. and uh we so you could make the case for the status quo we were just talking about of the money system. Yeah, yeah yeah so people say that i uh it's a very sensitive topic right. um you, you get on the bad side of yeah anyways so, so the current <laughs> the, the question is whether the current monetary system itself is a ponzi scheme right. and, the, and so on so uh on the bitcoin world we've had that um we've had all all this last 10 months we've had a very serious uh, block size debate right that's been going on for many months uh and this debate is happening among like the core developers and people yes. that like are really entrenched in the industry right and they're the ones deciding is this a good move is this a bad yeah. move yeah. essentially they're the core developers these are people who have been uh empowered with with updating really and improving upgrading the code base for the bitcoin which mm -hmm. is an open source project so the, if you will, the Bitcoin open source project, the software that powers the Bitcoin network, is is uh, created and run by this team of core devs, maintained, if you will, maintained and released by this team called the core developers of Bitcoin, yeah. Bitcoin Core. Mm -hmm. And over the last year, year and a half, there's been more vocal demands from the industry asking the core devs to go on a different roadmap, to do something differently. And that's where the tussle is. Right. So the industry has been split. Uh, since about a year ago, last six months, half the industry wanted to wanted to go the roadmap that Core has supported, and there's a small breakout group uh, that wanted to dramatically increase the block size. Uh, and both sides have their arguments. Both sides are right in certain ways. Mm -hmm. There are pros and cons of each approach. Uh, the other group was called they called themselves the Classic, the Bitcoin Classic uh, group. It was supported by more of the uh, mostly by the industry people. Mm -hmm. Uh, our, our company, ourselves, we've supported Core. There, there are a bunch of companies that also support Core. So what happens was it's not so much a stalemate. I think I think the classic team has run out of air, has run out of gas. So they've sort of um, – the voice has calmed down a little bit, mm -hmm. and Core is continuing 
to to improve the code base and move along their current roadmap. Yeah. Now, I, I think this might be over a lot of people's heads, just kind of the intricacies of this. Yeah. But, you know, what what is the issue at hand? Like, if we do it, this happens. If we don't do it, this happens. Yeah, what, the, what's the big the deal? The issue at hand is the Bitcoin is powered by something called the blockchain, which mm -hmm. is a global ledger. It's a global consensus. Getting open a lot ledger. more press lately. Lots of financial companies are doing their own blockchains. Yeah, they, and yeah. I'll have my comments topic. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So blockchain is an innovation in the sense that it's an open ledger. Yet everything is an immutable open ledger. What that means is anyone's allowed to participate to contribute to the ledger, to the creation of the of the so-called uh, transactions that go into each block mm -hmm. of the ledger. Mm -hmm. However, it's immutable in the sense that once it's written into the blockchain, it's good as gold. It's not going to be changed because no single one authority or group of people have the power to reverse it. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's very... It's very innovative because now we have a way to record transactions, record things that have happened in history without the fear of it being erased. Right. Just like the historical moment that we engraved last time we were here. That's right. In your forever right. service. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like you remember that. So, <laughs> so that message is in the blockchain and the world can see it. It's replicated you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of times around the world, and it's there for permanent. Mm -hmm. So as long as Bitcoin is alive and well, that message from last the August was there. People know we were here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could do the same thing today again. Um, so that's the Bitcoin blockchain. And what happens is the blockchain itself is a of a limited resource because there's only so much information that you can put in every day, every minute, every hour. Mm -hmm. So the, the two camps are the core team wants to uh, well, the classic team wants to increase and double the block size right now, and the the core team wants to stay the same and do some other improvements first before doubling the before doubling or increasing the block size. So it's a matter of urgency. Which do which one do you do first or later? So there's the pros and cons comes down to if the block size were to be increased dramatically, uh, the core teams it could be it, it could be un, uh, irresponsible. And therefore, limit the true decentralized nature of Bitcoin. It's kind of like if something becomes so big and hairy and unmanageable that no one's going to run it, and then Bitcoin falls into the hands of the few people who are controlling the network. Mm -hmm. Whereas today, it's still uh, very decentralized. A lot of people are running the Bitcoin nodes. Right. And why? Why? So the argument for increasing the block size is a matter of speed. Is that because it's a matter it's of more, more having more throughput, more transactions right. to allow more transactions to go in in the form of lower fees? So why would having a, a larger block concentrate power on a like a decentralized network why would that happen uh because larger blocks would require more computing power mm -hmm. uh, as well as more network uh bandwidth so only as well ones, as more storage space right so only ones that had the big investments in this kind of infrastructure to can't afford to run the the bitcoin node right so today how is bitcoin decentralized because thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are, are in the world are participating in this global network, mm. and there is no, there is no, um, you know, there's no leader per se. Yeah, there's no one country who's involved has a say of how to turn on and turn off Bitcoin. Mm. Uh, if the blockchain becomes too big, then it uses more networking bandwidth. It uses more computing power to compute the, the transactions in there. It uses more storage space, and we can put the Bitcoin blockchain out of reach of a lot of normal people right and that's the fear of it becoming more centralized it's kind of philosophically against the f kind of core of bitcoin in the first place yes yeah yes um it, for, on a personal level what has been the most 
interesting or frustrating or just like kind of the big thing that stands out in your mind since we last spoke that's happened in the Bitcoin world? And not anything with BTCC, we'll get into that yeah, uh, yeah. later on, but just large scale, like what is it that, that you have thought that maybe other people didn't notice or oh, miss? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I um, So I, I was saying this, I've been saying this to a few people now. Uh, my understanding of Bitcoin has actually evolved over time. So I've been involved uh, Bitcoin for a little over five and a half years, around five and a half years, or five, a little over five years since mm-hmm. early 2011. And my understanding of it has has wisened up. That's how I would say it myself. Um, essentially, to me today, Bitcoin really is first a digital asset, more so than it being a payment system or even being money. Mm-hmm. So let, let me give you an analogy. In the physical world that we live in, John, we, everything we have in terms of our assets are physical in nature. Now, whether it's the things you know, that we wear, the clothes or the electronic gadgets we have in front of us, mm-hmm. or whether it's the real estate that we may own, or the stocks and bonds that we own as investments, or the precious metals like gold and silver, coins or bars, or it could be derivatives, or it could be um, fine art. Right? All assets are physical. But in the old society... Why did money come about? It's because assets, even even like, you know, cows and um, chickens, we we may we may you know herd or whatever. They're all physical in nature. Even the vegetables we grow in the garden, mm. right? So it used to be barter economy. Now, why did the barter economy become money based into a market based money economy? It's because physical assets are not good for exchanging and cutting into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Like a lettuce, you can cut into two and say, okay, here's half we exchange for something. But like a chicken, you can't cut into four pieces mm-hmm. without killing it, nor can you do it with a cow or things like that. Right. Right? Especially like a fine art. Fungible, painting. convenient. Yeah, it's, that, not, yeah. it's not fungible. Yeah. So that's why money was invented in the physical world to aid the convenience of transferring and value to mm-hmm. make exchanges and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. money, and then it was because you know, first was gold and silver, then it was coins and paper notes and so on and so forth. So that's the physical world. But in the digital world, what we now have is Bitcoin to me is first and foremost a digital asset. It is an asset unlike any other physical assets. It's digital in nature. So now we're saying information, meaning a string of numbers and letters, not random, but a specific password or a specific private key to a Bitcoin address. Mm-hmm. That string of information is the key to unlocking the value that's held in that account. Mm-hmm. But with the digital version of asset like Bitcoin, what's amazing is you don't need money anymore because the assets can be can be fungible. It can be cut into smaller pieces. You can give away 0.25 Bitcoin mm-hmm. or 0.0025 Bitcoin. Does, does that make sense? So Bitcoin, yeah. because it is digital, the payment aspect, the, the movement of it comes for free. Mm-hmm. In fact, you could literally move my Bitcoins to anyone anywhere in the world for very, very low cost mm-hmm. in any small amount without right. having to move the whole coin. That's the beauty of Bitcoin as a digital asset, mm-hmm. whereas in the physical world, that was not possible. Right. So we now have something new in front of us in, for, for mankind. We have, a, we have a digital asset where I, I, I truly believe down the road in 5, 10, 20 years – our kids and grandkids, people in society, will start owning more and more of the percentage of assets in digital form. Right. So these are the kids growing up 
playing uh, playing online games, playing Minecraft. Mm-hmm. You know all the VR stuff in the future of Internet of Things when things talk when machines talk to machines. Mm. Today, machines only talk to machines because it's all information transfer. Mm-hmm. But in the future, it'll be machines also interacting with the society, with other machines. It'll be value transfer. Mm-hmm. So the notion of value transfer being done digitally, that's what Bitcoin and digital currencies allow for. Now, why can't <clears throat> just existing currencies would seem like they could play a role like that too because a lot of them are digitalized at this point, right? Different being that there's... Counterparty risk. There is costs associated. What, so there's something very different with existing currencies. Existing currency has two attributes that the creators don't want to give up. One attribute is that um, essentially the amount they create. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the creators create the existing currencies. Right. They create it in however much amount they want to. Mm-hmm. That has worked if they keep it responsible. If it, but if they're irresponsible and create more and more. And going to debt and cannot balance a budget, right. and uh, then you have it leads to inflation, it leads to falsified CPI data, mm-hmm. it leads to that kind of stuff. Where where now there's so much money in the world, the rich get richer. Why why do the rich get richer? It's because the rich set the rules. They they're the ones running the committees and the associations, and you know they're the the ones puppet masters behind the banks and the financial institutions. Right. So that's why there's more discontent. The poor, whether you want to call it the poverty line or the people who have the have-nots, yeah. you know, the 99%. Yeah. There's a lot of revolt. There's a lot of – I mean, look at what happened with Brexit. Mm-hmm. People didn't predict it because people thought everything was hunky-dory with mm-hmm. the euro and so – with the EU and so on. Yeah. Um, but with the vote, you can see there are people who are just discontent. I mean, all the experts were, were, were warning against uh, Brexit because of the financial – implications mm-hmm. a lot of negative financial s- scenarios right whether it's the stock market or the credit rating for the country or the the, or the price of or the value of the british pound there's a lot of negatives mm-hmm. the, the, all the smart people were warning but why were the commoners why were the voters revolting against that because they don't believe them anymore mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a sense of uprising i mean we saw I mean, Brexit is the latest. I mean, before that, we saw the Greek situation Mm -hmm. at Greece. We saw the Hong Kong situation. I mean, this thing is happening all over the world. Right. It's almost like the uh, it's almost like the the more frequent changes in in weather. It's almost like the global warming, the 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 climate change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just is there global climate change that happens. There's almost there's also global financial disorder change. Yeah. Right. So this all ties into Bitcoin because Bitcoin. Is is a true alternative that is digital, right? So, I mean, you, you you just talked about a lot there, and and I and I on on the one point, you know, I think you're right. We, we referenced earlier what's happening in Brazil, Venezuela, Brexit, all these other places, and you think, well, how can this be unwound by conventional means? It doesn't seem like there's a conventional unwinding mechanism. Like you know, the central banks have already pretty much pressed all their buttons and done whatever they can. We've got negative, negative, negative interest, interest rates yeah. all over the world. So that, you know, they're kind of wheelhouse. Their ammunition is kind of gone. So it will be very fascinating to see over the next, you know, handful of years what does happen. But, you know, of course, the Bitcoin uh, enthusiasts speculate, well, you know, if even 1% of, you know, global assets, or not even global assets, wealth, but, you know, yeah. global wealth, <clears throat> excuse me, was uh, put into Bitcoin, then the price would have to, you know, go up to $5 million of Bitcoin or something, you know, uh, cra- sure, sure. seemingly crazy right now. 
Um, but the with what you were saying about how Bitcoin will uh, interact in the future, you know, will communicate between devices, will will communicate with people. You know, one of the other things that again, I'm I'm not an expert whatsoever, just an extremely curious enthusiast, is AI, and I have you know I don't know how those two things come together, but you're you're deeper in the game than than me. Do you see any role for for AI and deep learning in Bitcoin? Like, would that will there be any influence from one side or the other, or are they still kind of two different worlds apart? It's all going to come together. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether or not you believe in the in this singularity concept, where it occurs well, right? Uh, AI is going to come. AI has already come, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this just this this past year, uh, the best. Go player, sorry, the best uh, AI program for Go has beat the human right. champion, mm -hmm. world champion for Go. And for chess, that happened about two decades ago right? with with uh, IBM's Deep Blue, I believe. So now we have humans being beat by Go. And we're going to have more, I mean, even though, you know, the industry is moving very fast, we have VR, we have drones, and we're having robotics, we're having... Uh, virtual. I was at, at as the at the Converge conference in Hong Kong mm. uh, earlier this month, and there was a company that was making robots, and I saw one on stage. It was very impressive. Mm. I mean, these are no, no longer just clips of robots you see in YouTube, but these are ones that are really being made. There's more and more companies doing research. So we're going to have advanced robotics. Uh, we're going to have advanced AI that's soon going to be indistinguishable. I mean, with with just in the last few years, we now have amazing voice recognition. Right accessible on our phones, whether it's a Siri or Google Voice and so on. So I'm very, very hopeful. I, I, I definitely, I see the technology coming to the point where we're going to have real artificial intelligence machines interacting with humans. Mm. And how does it tie into Bitcoin? Well, it, it's this way. Bitcoin, to me, is the ultimate measuring stick for value mm -hmm. because every other measuring stick, all the other currencies, are all funny money. Uh, true AI will, will tell the difference. And well, this is why I asked the question. Yeah, I think I, I think it'll be evident to machines right. and algorithms. Like, I trust I trust in math and cryptography more than I trust any sort of government or entity. Right. Because one plus one for me will always equal to two. Yes. Now that's a simple addition mathematics, sure. but in cryptography, it's it's similar mathematics. It's it's it's. Uh, um, I don't want to get into it on the show, mm. but the math will hold true. Not for years or decades, not even for centuries, but but for forever, mm -hmm. right? In our in our universe, yeah. So, so I think it's inevitable when when the world when we introduce more AI robotics and more advanced civilization and more more internet, you know, it, it's gonna the world will shift towards a digital asset that is really truly unique and countable. Right, and that's why I asked this question because. You know, I, I love to speculate about what the future holds for AI, you know, and, and you listen to people like Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos and all these guys talk about it, and they all say it's going to be hugely influential. They all say we're not even at the beginning of it yet exactly. in terms of how it impacts our daily lives, though most people don't recognize we, we do have a form of AI now in the form of many things we do, Siri and, and all this other stuff. But I just feel, you know, I kind of smile and think, well, when, when an intelligent enough AI emerges to kind of interface with us and talk to us like a therapist maybe and like kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. give us advice and help us learn, you know, it's, I feel like it's inconceivable that it won't be like, well, hold on, guys. Before we address any of this stuff, we got to fix out your, your currency issue, your store value issue. Yeah. So this one makes a lot of sense, Bitcoin or uh, cryptocurrencies. 
this other stuff you're doing, that's got to go. It's, <laughs> it's not all, working it's all at all. It's money. <laughs> um, and I don't know what, when that point is going to come. But the other thing, you know, you mentioned the, um, the Go, Matt, AlphaGo versus Lee that's Soto. Right. A lot of, you know, for most people around the world, they don't even know how to interpret that. It's like, okay, so, you know, yeah, go, what, the, what, what the hell is Go, actually, yeah. you know, for most people? A lot of people in the know thought it was very, very exciting. I kind of sit in the middle. I don't know enough about Go, enough about AI to really judge it. But I did see, um, I did see, I did read a, a, a piece of information, which there was no reason to think that it wasn't true. It was from a reputable source, and they were saying that the number of potential moves in Go is more than the number of atoms in the universe. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't even know how that yeah, because, makes sense, yeah. but it's a apparently huge grid, true. And you yeah. can make one move, and it's just. Scales up like so infinite, basically. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, technically not infinite, but a lot. Right. It's kind of like Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin actually, the number of possible combinations, permutations of Bitcoin addresses and private keys is is on the order of magnitude of the number of atoms in the universe. Right. Yeah, that's why you and I can create Bitcoin addresses, and that won't it won't be a repeat. Right. There'll be there'll be no collision. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something that, uh, and and also from from that angle, you know, perhaps machine learning and, and AI. I mean, it seems like that kind of stuff will infuse everything. You know, nothing will be off limits, currencies and learning and, and everything. But, you know, one of the things with, with Bitcoin that people often talk about is like, well, when is it going to be adopted by, when is it going to be a watershed moment where people actually start using it to transact, right? Not trade, not speculative trading, not whatever. And there's some efforts. I want to talk about a company you're invested in a little bit later that's kind of incentivizing people to, to use it in that way. But, you know, maybe it's a matter of a, a certain type of AI coming around saying this is the way, you know, I've crunched the numbers. This is the way to introduce the people for them to light bulb, get it and start, you know, and the infra and based on the infra infrastructure we have, this is like the most open channel to get more people to use it. Perhaps. Who knows? Sure. Um, but let's let's before we forget, let's let's talk about that. You're is it OK to talk about yeah, it? Please. This, this company Pulse? Oh, yeah. Purse. Yeah. Purse. Sorry. Purse.io. Yeah. Um, and if I understand correctly, basically, they just incentivized people to use Bitcoin by giving them price discounts on Amazon. That's right. That's right. So right. this company is based in the U.S. in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. Uh, they, they I think they cater mostly to the U.S. market. They have other markets in Europe and I'm not sure which countries. Uh, but essentially, it's amazing. They allow people to buy things on Amazon.com or .uk.jp. They allow you to buy things on Amazon for a 20 or more percent discount, 20, 25, 15 you know, percent discount uh. by paying in Bitcoin. So if you have Bitcoin that's worth $500, you can essentially get $600 worth of merchandise on Amazon.com by going through purse.io. How do they do that? It's, it's, it, it sounds a little convoluted at first, but then once you understand it, it makes sense. Essentially, there are people out there, not you and I, but people out there who have large hordes of Amazon credits, either in the form of gift certificates or these other credits from like the, uh, the what is it, the Turk thing, the automated machinery thing. Uh -huh. So somehow people have Amazon gift certificates or credits. They want – and they can't – they don't have enough things to buy themselves, so they want to get rid of it. And then whereas you and I as consumers may want to buy things on Amazon, and what happens is – purse stands in the middle we pay in bitcoin and the person entities with a lot of gift certificates is willing to essentially let go of these gift certificates essentially use six hundred dollars of gift certificates to buy six hundred dollars worth of merchandise for you to send it to you mm -hmm. 
and only receive $500 worth of Bitcoin. Right. That's the simple math. Right. They're willing to get a discount from the gift certificates, and you, you're going to benefit from getting more value, and, and Purse takes a small cut right. as the middleman. So Purse is just a middleman, and, and these people with the, the certificates or vouchers take a bit of a shave, but they're converting their vouchers into, into cash. Into, into Bitcoin, Bitcoin, which right. is as good as cash. Is that right? So even so that those providers are, are getting paid out in Bitcoin as well. Exactly. They're getting paid out in Bitcoin. This seems like yeah. a very altruistic sort of uh, business, you know, because it seems to be like promoting the use the the spread of use of Bitcoin. Well, it is. is, is it, it is. Is it a It's not promo- I mean Bitcoin is useful as it is. This is just one more way right, to Right, incentivizing transactional use, right? More transactional. That's use. right. That's yeah. right. That's so right. is is it a is that a profitable business model as well? It is. I think they. I don't know their financials, uh, but but as far as I remember, uh, they, they're doing very well. Right. They're doing very well. They're growing the business, double digit growth even monthly. Cool. And uh, have you have you tried them? No, yeah, no. I, I just, just heard about it when I was getting ready to speak to you today. I I came across uh, somewhere that that you were involved, so I checked them out. A yeah, bit I was one of the early investors, cool. backers. Yeah. 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 Um, a couple more kind of housekeeping points on the year, the Dow. And Ethereum. The DAO. DAO, okay. yeah. Okay. And this this was uh, kind of an interesting story. Um, you could probably explain it much more than me, so I'm going to turn it over to you to explain. You know, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just what Ethereum is, brief intro, what the DAO was meant to be, what the hell happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not quite the expert on Ethereum, to mm-hmm. be honest. I've been more uh heads down in the bitcoin world yeah so ethereum is also a, a digital cryptocurrency mm-hmm. uh it uses it's it's fun it's written by vitalik created by vitalik and team and it's a slightly different variation than bitcoin mm. it ha- also has a notion of a blockchain um the the tokens and the the mathematics behind it are slightly different uh but but the one of the main difference they push for is that Ethereum has a notion of smart contracts. Right. The, I, I'm not an expert in that, I, uh, to be honest. But the idea that uh, you could write mathematical contracts using programming languages mm. uh, for certain things to happen when certain events take place. Mm-hmm. So the DAO is a digital autonomous organization. It's a it's a it's a new concept as well. In fact, Bitcoin itself is sort of like a DAO. Mm-hmm. A digital autonomous organization. The idea that no one controls it. Right. But the rules are set in the beginning. No one controls it. And, and it doesn't deploy capital for... Yeah, well, well in this case, the DAO. There's something called T-H-E DAO. Uh, that was the DAO. Oh, one, one I of see. One the first ones. Okay. So DAO is, is, a, is a natural concept. And then there's the DAO, which is, which is smart marketing. Some guy created a DAO and called it the DAO. Uh-huh. Uh, capital T-H-E DAO. And that's what's been popular. So, right. so I think what happened, if I recall correctly, I didn't follow too closely, so I may get some of these stats wrong. Mm. Um, earlier this spring or earlier this year, the guy, the the, the company created the DAO, uh, and it was funded by Ethereum tokens, Ethereum units, ethers, mm. and people put in you know 150 million dollars worth of Ethereum money into this thing. And the idea is, it's a fund. It's a it's a digital autonomous organization it's autonomous so no one controls it even though the creators were there creating it writing the code so this organization would would then be able to deploy its capital it raised a total of 150 million it's under no single person so mm-hmm. no one owns it you know the, the legalities of that is very new mm-hmm. um and the idea is that when enough votes come in they could deploy the capital to fund other projects whether it could be things like kickstarter type projects crowdsourcing 
It could be anything. Right. You could say buy gold, and they would buy gold. So is that is that how it works? Like the the uh, the percentage that you your contribution to the whole gives how, however much weight to your vote, right? Exactly. So exactly. There's, there's 150 million in there, and I put in 15 million, then I have like a 10% strength of my vote, right? Yes, so exactly. if we want to dump it all into BCCC, uh, BTCC and, <laughs> and, and, and become investors in that, then that's kind of how it yeah, works, right? Yeah, in theory, in theory, yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh-huh. So, so that, that's only been around for a few months, and then I think a week ago there was a, uh, a terrible uh, event happened mm-hmm. where – some people call it hackers, some people call it malicious, or some people call it just someone find a loophole in the code. Mm-hmm. So the DAO, the DAO, the code base is open source, you can see it. And if you look carefully, there might be bugs in it. Yeah. Some guy found a bug. Essentially, he was about, he was able to f- create a project, a sub-DAO, uh, a child DAO, rather, that, that he was able to create a project that somehow tricked the system to fund it. Uh-huh. Without the approval of the people, right? So he drained about fifty million dollars, mm. like a third of it, into the child doubt he now controls. Right. So it was uh, quote unquote robbed, mm-hmm. right? People, the money flew out. Yeah. And but it was that's how the way the code was written. Right. It's it had unintended consequences. Right. That's what bugs are. Right. Any any sort of coding bug. Is proper behavior of the code just unintended consequences from the from the human writer programmer? Right. So, which is, which is one of the concerns I heard expressed before about AI, right? In, in certain capacity, because if yeah. you code it to do something and there's you don't consider something or there's a glitch, it might you know do exactly what you say yeah. literally into and, infinity. Like yeah, make yeah, yeah. it make so many pencils that you know all the forests in the world are destroyed and you know yeah, that, yeah. that sort of thing. That's right. Is that same thing possible with Bitcoin? Obviously, yes, yeah. right? Any piece of code has, has uh, everything. You know, I come from a com- computer science programming background, so I know that there's no such thing as perfect, uh, perfect code, I mean, unless it's really small in scope, right? right? Um, with, but with large, complex systems, it gets more and more difficult. Mm-hmm. So the great thing about Bitcoin is that, first of all, it, has to be op- it is open source, and open source actually dramatically decreases the possibilities, or it allows for bugs to be discovered more easily. Yeah. So because Bitcoin is open source, Ethereum is also open source, uh, the, and same with Linux, the idea is that these are more secure. Yeah. And Linux has been around for a long, long time. That's why Linux is so secure these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Bitcoin you know, has been around for eight years, seven years, you know, since 2009, seven, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the seven, seven and a half years into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And with Ethereum, it's relatively new, so it's not uncommon for, for this for this kind of thing to be to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough because you know there's all this excitement about like kind of the birth of a new type of organization and then it has a you know it's compromised in this way. So but you know with 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 things that are new and revolutionary that kind of seems to be the how they go. Yeah. Um I wanted to, I was thinking on my way here. You know, I've seen several uh videos with you on youtube you seem to be all over the place you know you're in the states a lot and you're 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 talking about btcc the state of bitcoin all this kind of stuff um to this two-part question the first one is what question do you not get enough in your opinion you know because you sit down with these people and they're like when is bitcoin gonna have the watershed moment and the other 
What yeah. question, you know, you're, you're an expert. You see how it works day to day. You know the ins and outs. What question do you think people like myself just don't ask you enough? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, that, that's, that's a great question. I'd like to answer that. Um, there's just some questions that you just ask too many times, and it, they're usually asking up the, barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. I think the question people don't ask enough is what I alluded to earlier. What is Bitcoin fundamentally? How does it, how is it innovative? for the society why is it such a big why should it be a big deal for society Mm -hmm. and I'll repeat the answer earlier which is for the first time now in this world in the world that we live in on this planet earth we now have information that has value so what that means John is that I can take a piece of post-it note on there I can use a a pen or pencil and write 30 35 characters 0 to 9 A to Z lowercase A to Z uppercase just a mix of characters Mm -hmm. and this post-it note with these characters on it can represent a Bitcoin account. It can be the private key to a Bitcoin account. I fold the post-it note, I give it to you. In handing you this physical piece of post-it note, I could hand you one Bitcoin or 1,000 Bitcoin or even 20,000 Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that is real, real money. I think I have a post-it note around here if you want to <laughs> give that a try. Unfortunately, I don't have 20,000 Bitcoins <laughs> to send you. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, I mean, this is a physical act of handing it to you. Yeah. But because the post-it note, what we care about in this transfer is not the atoms or the molecules of the post-it note. What, what, what's important is the digits and the characters I write on the post-it note. Me writing down is just an action. I could have done it electronically, either via email, SMS, or I could do it via an encrypted communications channel to you. Mm-hmm. That's what Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin system protocol, the network, allows me to send you real money through the transfer of digital information. Mm-hmm. And that's revolutionary. Right. Because up until then, it wasn't really transfer. Because, for example, if I send you an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document or a PDF or a photograph, JPEG, I'm just sharing with you files and images and attachments, mm-hmm. which could be valuable to you, and you could then further send it on to your colleagues or friends or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. But that's all sharing. It's shared to many. It doesn't leave my hand. And that's what you think. With Bitcoin, if I have three Bitcoins, I could send you Mm 0.5. And you would have the 0.5, and I would have the 2.5. I no longer have three. Right. So it's this digital accounting of this token called the Bitcoin. This is new to society. It's only been around for the last seven and a half years. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think how Bitcoin might also be used in kind of the micropayments industry or kind of evolution that's happening. Because... Even though, you know, the, the kind of tech um, sort of world had always kind of wanted things for free, you know, you, you have your Napster stuff and, and things like that, and you have other things like iTunes trying to balance the scales, but I think the more and more that individual people become their own content providers or providers of, of various kinds, I think the community is becoming more open to some form of compensation for people that provide value. At that's least right. that's my perception. And, that's right. And it, it, it'll be cool to think, like as you were just saying, maybe you take a really nice photo of, of whatever and you want to share it with your community or host it on your site. And to download it, maybe it's just 0.00001 Bitcoin, like, just my, like a yes. micropayment. Yes. But it's just symbolic almost in saying, thank you, you know, thank you for the work you put into this interview, this photo, this whatever. 
uh, you know, I'd like to use it and have it. So this is my, my contribution. Kind of like, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of things, especially in China, these uh, live video things where you can tip people. You know, you, you, you sure. ask some questions and you do tips and things like that. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, perhaps that's, that's a, a use case that, that might pop off in the yeah. future. Th- those are all use cases waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, today all the use cases are tied to domestic currencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all tied to whether in China the renminbi or if it's in the U.S., the U.S. dollars and pennies and cents. Uh, but we, what we have at our fingertips is something global. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin is that thing. Right. And I think it's just a matter of time before that breaks out. And this is a perfect segue because you were just mentioning giving me a Post-it note with a Bitcoin address, a private key on it. And then you also just mentioned that Bitcoin is global. And here holding in my hand is a uh, Bitcoin Titan- a titanium Bitcoin. That's right. right. A physical Bitcoin made of titanium from BTCC Mint. Mm-hmm. And w- the reason why I say it's, it's, um, it's, it's relevant is because you have – I can mention these. Yeah, now, yeah. Right? You talk about this. Yes. Yeah. So this- you, you have the word for five in several different languages yeah. uh, encircling the private key on the Bitcoin. So you have a titanium engraved uh, beautiful, you know, substantial Bitcoin – in this case, a, a five Bitcoin piece um, with several different uh, languages represented saying five. Yes. So you notice, yeah, you're right. You yeah, notice so, it. So yeah. global, and as you said, something you can transfer. Now, can you introduce this to us? And, yeah, uh, sure. Because, yeah, just you, yeah, so, go for so it. So, what we have is a month ago in late May, we announced BTCC Mint, mm-hmm. which is our, our new line of uh, physical Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. So we first launched the one Bitcoin, which is a 43 millimeter wide titanium coin. We're the first in the industry to ever put this together like this in titanium physical Bitcoin. And what's unique is it has one Bitcoin in it, but these Bitcoins are also fresh from the mining pool, fresh from the blockchain reward. Mm-hmm. Meaning the Bitcoin in there, the, the coin itself has a, has a on the backside, there's a hologram sticker, which encases in, in, in the private key. So there's a small round uh, piece of paper cutout that has the private key on it stuck behind the hologram. So if you were to remove the hologram, peel it off, it's tamper resistant, tamper mm-hmm. evident. It would leave a mark and you would see the private key. Mm-hmm. And it essentially is a private key to a Bitcoin account that has one Bitcoin in it. And the one Bitcoin in there is actually fresh from the blockchain reward. So these were created in 2016. This has never been circulated before Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And about three weeks ago, we launched the uh, about two weeks ago we launched the five Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and that is even bigger. It's at 50 millimeters wide, five millimeters tall, and it has five Bitcoins in there. So these are you know over today the market the price is about 660 dollars. Mm-hmm. So the, the the five piece is is you know over three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah. And we won't be – this. You, you have some news to break. Well, by the time people are listening to this, you will have broken news. So yes. maybe we can talk about this behemoth uh, that I'm holding yeah. in my hand right now. So what we have even, even better, we, we will have announced it by July 1st, is we're now – BTC Mint is now selling something even bigger than the 5 Bitcoin. It's called the full block. Mm-hmm. This is what we call, quote-unquote, the Bitcoin nugget. Uh, each block, as you know, from the from the blockchain is now 25 Bitcoins along with the transaction fee. So there's a little bit more than 25. Mm-hmm. Now we're selling a, a humongous piece of titanium. It's about 80 centimeter. Sorry, 80. It's about 8 centimeters. Mm-hmm. So 80 by 80 millimeters and 1 centimeter tall, 10 millimeters. And it contains the whole block reward. Mm-hmm. Raw, native, 
it's mining to the address on that piece of slab, mm-hmm. and this is called the Bitcoin Nugget. Yeah. And and very limited in quantity because until the block reward, there's only been so much. Because right. after the block having the block reward having, the new blocks will only be twelve and a half. Mm-hmm. So these are genuine large twenty five plus bitcoins in them. And the QR on it is the- so there'll be QR code on there. There's the on this piece of uh nugget there's a block number the block height uh-huh. that's the actual block number where the block where it goes in there's the amount of bitcoins in here and the qr code is the address so if right. you want to add more to it then you can check it that way right yeah and this is a substantial uh i mean this this is worth quite a bit of money yeah right? it's worth uh i would say worth uh let's do the math quickly you know it's 660 times 25 so it's at 16,000 some 20,000 dollars potentially right, right. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, it's okay if you want me to leave with this today. I, I can do that for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah. why, why, and I saw you You guys had the, um, you launched these at the Portman Shanghai Center, right? I saw some photos yes, of yes, you we, we talking there, about it, yes. which was cool and fun. Um, why, why are you doing this? What, what's the purpose of this? The purpose is making Bitcoin more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is almost the antithesis of, of Bitcoin itself, which is digital, you transfer electronically. Right. Now, we realize that. But we're, we're doing this to prove a point. First is, uh, for the layman, we make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. So whether it's your friend who's not computer savvy, my mother or whoever else, if they want to buy, invest, and hold Bitcoin, you know, if you do it the traditional way, even though Bitcoin's already been around for eight years, it is still very, very difficult for people to own, manage, and acquire Bitcoin. Right. You have to download the wallet, you know, sign in, create accounts, passwords, all that stuff, yeah. SMS confirmation, it's, it's very difficult to have it secure. And what if your computer gets hacked? What if it gets stolen? What right. if you reveal the password? You, you risk losing it. Mm-hmm. And that's happened time and time again. With this, we now say, hey, here's one Bitcoin or five Bitcoins. You can now hold in your hand. You can feel it. Yeah. And you can even put it in your safe deposit box right. or hide it under your bed mattress or dig a hole in your backyard and bury it in the ground. Right. Right. Titanium won't, won't rust or corrode. Right. That's so cool. So... So you come back five years, 20 years later, you say, hey, I actually still have a Bitcoin from 2016. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be worth a lot. But right? you would only, like this is, like you just said, for kind of buy and hold, right? Because if I bought, you know, this, this, this one Bitcoin one. Yes. But then I used the key, you know, in a transaction or oh, yeah, to send yeah. to someone, then the value of this is gone, right? That's right. So, that's right. so if you would appeal the sticker and extract the Bitcoin in there and send it on. Then I just have a titanium Then you just have a titanium item. novelty item. That's right. right. It wouldn't be. It, it, it still have some collector's value. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But but otherwise, you know, if I had this this big daddy, I'd yeah. put it in my safety deposit box with my bars of gold and silver. That's and, right. you know, my grandkids would uh, shit their pants when when they got it in the will or something That's like right. that. Right? That's right. Okay. And how's it going so far? Is it's going very well. We, the one Bitcoins we're sold out, we're just starting to making the five. So that's selling very well. Cool. And then we're, gonna, we, we, uh, we're announcing the, the nugget yeah. you know, on July 1st. Is there so gonna it's be very a, exciting. Anything bigger than this in the future? Or is this uh, the biggest? Well, well, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> we have some ideas. Uh, all yeah. right. Well, speaking of, of things with BTCC recently, yeah. what other stuff do you have planned? Have you done recently that, you know, because last time we spoke, you you know you're doing mining pools. You're doing forever. You're doing the um, uh, the trading. Uh, yeah, the pro exchange. Pro exchange. Yes, yes. So what's what's going on now? You guys always seem to be doing. Yeah. More. So we're doing very well as a company. We're, we've had amazing metrics and success mm-hmm. over the last over the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I've never been more excited about the future of BTCC. Yeah. Uh, as you have said, we have primarily two two three businesses. 
Uh, we have the exchange business, which consists of the spot trading, the pro exchange, which is very popular now in China. Mm-hmm. We just launched a beta for the U.S. dollar version of the pro exchange. Uh, it's essentially just leverage trading, allow you to buy sell at at twenty twenty five times the the amount mm-hmm. you have. Uh, the can the, I just ask yeah, one yeah. question about that because leverage trading has never been something I've spent any time on. But you know, how does that work? If I put in a thousand dollars and yeah. you leverage me up to twenty five thousand, yeah, obviously it's very risky. Let me just right. put that out. It's not for the normal people. It's for the professionals who understand what they're doing. Right. So with a thousand dollars, you can essentially buy long or go short. Mm-hmm. Twenty thousand dollars worth of position of Bitcoin. Right. Now, uh, if, the posi- if if the market turns in counter to my position, then you would you would you would face oh, a margin the, call. You right. would have to f- replenish, or you might get cut cut out of your position. Right. So that that is um, if you extend to the fullest margin, then it is very risky. Just right. to be very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's usually for people who who hedge. Mm-hmm. So they let's say they have. Bitcoin themselves, they want to lock in the price rather than sell it all. They want to just sell into the into the pro exchange. Mm-hmm. They can lock in the price, and then if the price, you know, keeps going up, they don't mind. They've already they have the long Bitcoin, so they don't they don't worry about that. If the price goes down, they can make some money. Yeah, hedging against it. Right. Um, okay. Sorry to interrupt you there. So what what else is is going on? What kind of plans the, are you guys hatching? Of course, the mining pool. It's yeah. a very successful business as well. We were the fastest growing. We. Uh, in a short, I think a year and a half, we've grown to number three position worldwide, and we have between twelve and fifteen percent of the world's hashing power. Mm-hmm. So we're not the largest, but we aim to be aim to be you know the largest in the world. And of right. course, uh, primarily we have customers in China, but we also launched an international version of that. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to say we have lots of customers internationally around right. the world who connect to BTCC Pool mm-hmm. for their mining pooling service. And in this way and in any others that you, you want to mention to me, last time when we were here, you were still BTC China. You That's since right. became BTCC because you have global ambitions. And I'm actually happy to see when I came in here today, the same writing is on the whiteboard, which says, vision, everyone will use Bitcoin. So yes. that seems to be the guiding, uh, guiding ethos here. In what ways has BTC other, BTCC become international other than the, the two ways you just mentioned? And, and what plans do you have to yeah. become international? Uh, changing the company name is just to lay the foundation, mm-hmm. uh, do the groundwork. Uh, BTCC has always been the nickname in China of our, of our company, BTC China. Uh, and by having BTCC, it's, it's more global, right? BTCC normally stands for blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. So we have the blockchain technology part and we have the cryptocurrency part. So that's why BTCC uh, stands for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people know it also stands for BTC China. That's mm-hmm. our legacy. Yeah. Um, we Our headquarters in Shanghai, we now have over 110 people. And we're very happy with the growth of our company. Uh, and we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to do great things. We're going to continue to launch more services globally mm-hmm. for the rest of the world and not just target the China market. Bitcoin is global. We know that as a successful company, we will address the whole global market for Bitcoin mm-hmm. where, wherever it is. But obviously, China is where the roots are. That's why a vast majority of our users and revenue still come from China. Mm-hmm. But things like BTCC Mint, these sell very well internationally. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good portion sells into China, but we also ship a lot of these uh, worldwide. Yeah. The, unfortunately, we don't ship to the United States for regulation purposes. Right. But everywhere else, Everywhere else in the world, people have been buying these mint coins from us. Do you just sell them from the website? Yeah, we have a site. We have a website. Uh, go to mint.btcc.com right. or store.btcc.com, and you can find the collection of 
Because I see, I see this being popular amongst Chinese investors who aren't necessarily sophisticated enough to be miners, traders, what have you, but you know, who have kind of deep pockets and are like, well, I want a piece of this, yeah. this industry, right? And I don't mind buying you know, a stack of these 25ers that's and, right, and that's putting right. them in it's the a, bank it's, somewhere. It's a, it's a, that's exactly it. So it's, it's been well-received. Uh, re- well well-received. It's, uh, it's really not just for the rich and famous, but for people who really want to own digital assets. It's, it's, a, it's a record-breaking thing, right? It's like, it's like owning a piece of history. You own a real block yeah. reward. yeah. From and the ju- blockchain, and just you know, I'm, I'm, no one's made this before. We're the first to do it's it. It's super cool, and I'm I'm holding it, and you know, I, I'm not in a position to buy one of these uh, big twenty fivers right now. But you know, I've always, I think everyone has always been drawn to precious metals because, especially if you can hold the physical stuff, you're like, you, you know, it's so tangible when it's, it's in so front tangible. of you like That's that. That's right. And you know, I'm just I'm having this emotional response to this <laughs> thing right now because you know it's it's got a lot of weight to it. It's really heavy. I'm looking. It looks it looks great. And I perceive that there to be a great deal of value in it, you know. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of just like, well, I'm kind of bigger than you. I can just run out of here with this thing in my pocket right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's uh, I, I can definitely see it being uh, yeah. being popular here. One one of the things I, I meant to ask you today is, well, well actually, since we last spoke, have, did you do fundraising, or are you guys self funded at this point? Or we, I know we were venture backed. Fund- right. We were venture backed, led by Lightspeed China Partners. Right, but but that was yeah. prior to yeah, that was prior. Yeah, and yeah. you haven't raised no, money not since yet. then. Not right. yet. Are you planning to? We we're looking into yeah potentially. Right. Yes. Yes. But you are profitable. You are yes. We we've been profitable money. for the better part of the year now. So right. we're, we're you know we have our. We have our future in our own hands. We have mm-hmm. destiny in our own control. Excellent. So, in that sense, that that's why, that's why I'm so happy we're doing so well. And so, raising we're still, there's still a lot of hard work to do. Not not sure. to rest on our laurels yet, of yeah. course. And raising money would just be to accelerate all the plans that you have. Yes, to point. accelerate the growth. Right. Yeah. Um, you travel around a lot, and, and I think this was part of the question I meant to ask before. Again, another two-parter. But what what kind of things you know? I think since we last spoke, Gemini is it the Winklevoss? Uh, yes, they have the exchange, exchange called Gemini, yep. and a couple other things happening. Um, how do you view all, all this activity? Is it good? Do you do you do you look at it and and see holes because you're so experienced in it, or what? What kind of what's your you know ten thousand meter view of of what's gone on in the last uh, few months? Or, uh, you know, are you talking about regulation or other competitors or I just I, I, new companies I guess like you know Purse you're an investor in Gemini and I'm sure there's been a slew that I'm not even aware yeah. of there's, there's more and more I think uh, Bitcoin's not going to go away we, we suffered a sort of uh, Bitcoin winter that happened in 2014 and early 2015 mm-hmm. where the whole market you know investors and all that calmed to the notion of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies but as a true believer, we know that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are here to stay. It's kind of like the internet. It may have suffered an internet bubble in the late 1990s or 2000, but the internet is resilient. Yeah. It's here to stay. It's not going to go away. The internet that you and I are part of today for the last 15 years, it's not going to go away regardless of all the challenges, whether it's censorship, whether right. it's security breaches and all that stuff. Yeah. So same with Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, the best years are still ahead of itself. And uh, it is built to be fault tolerant. It's built to be resilient to any sort of shutdown or censorship. Uh, more and more governments will realize the nature of digital assets, mm-hmm. and they will have to upgrade their laws and regulations to support it, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Because if you don't support Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, 
you and your economy run the risk of falling behind. It's mm. like a country choosing not to accept and embrace the internet. Right. It's It'll a become a competitive damage. imperative at it, some absolutely, point. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So down the road, I envision even central banks, uh, even national countries will choose to hold Bitcoin as part of their hard asset reserves. Right. So today we call it foreign currency reserve. Yeah. We might want to call it a true asset reserve. And if yeah. that were to happen, even on the most the smallest scale imaginable, you know, yeah, like even not 1%, even two percent, then Bitcoin would be five million, ten million dollars a Bitcoin, well, something like that. We don't know how. Well, that, that's 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 a long ways off. Right. But, but, but it's, go, it's certainly going to go up more than today. It's at six hundred sixty dollars. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is at roughly ten, eleven billion dollars worldwide in circulation value mm -hmm. I mean, that's a that's that's a lot for one person but 11 billion is a drop in the bucket right it should be at a hundred or a thousand you know billion right or yeah. one trillion and then those titanium chunks or yeah things in your safe deposit locked up insured <laughs> um bobby that's an hour already are you okay for another 10 minutes sure sure i got a, a couple more things i wanted to to get to i knew my the time was going to fly with you it, it, it always does um also, over the last year, a big piece of news was Craig Wright came out and said, oh, yes. I am Satoshi Nakamoto, yes. right? And it, it, I, when it came out, of course, I was like, oh, my God, is this, is this real? Uh, you know, and, try to, and certain you know, notable people uh, seem to uh, corroborate that, that they believe that, that he, in fact, was Satoshi Nakamoto. But the funny thing that I found was that you know, when the, the incident happened with the Japanese man who was named Satoshi Nakamoto, yeah, Dorian, yeah. Yeah, people just found him and just harassed him. He was saying, it's not me, it's not me, and the press harassed him, and everyone harassed him. And then you get a guy come out and it say, is me. It it's is me. me, and everyone's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> Go away. We don't believe you. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is your take on it? Because last my... time we were here, I think... You said you know you had a handful of people you thought it was, and you didn't share beyond that. But yeah, I, I, at the time I didn't think it was. I didn't know this Craig Wright guy. Uh -huh. uh, my my thoughts about him, as you know, the history was he there was the expose in December of uh -huh. 2015, and then more recently in May, in early May this year, um, there was another series of fl flurries of evidence that says he is a guy. He come out, but recently. But right after that, he didn't give strong cryptographic proof. So mm -hmm. it really uh, swayed the community. Basically, now the public, the community thinks that he's an uh, a fraudster, an mm -hmm. imposter. Mm -hmm. Because he claimed to be, he convinced Gavin, right, and a few people um, that he is. But he didn't prove, he didn't provide publicly true cryptographic proof right because to prove that you're created satoshi it's actually show quite easy you, if something. you sh if you show you can sign a message or sh move some coins in the transaction the future transaction that satoshi is known to have owned mm -hmm. then people will believe you yeah he said he was going to do it but he never did it mm -hmm. so but then recently there's this uh long sort of mini novel on london book review i read that it's a huge it's like three yeah anyways um I have I have a different opinion. I think that he actually is involved, was involved with Bitcoin. Craig mm -hmm. Wright, in my opinion, uh, he may not have been the only one. Maybe along with uh, the other guy. Right. Uh, however, he may not have access to cryptographic proof, or he may have chosen to not do it for his own financial protection. Mm -hmm. There's some liability thing that he's worried about. Right. So go read that. The article. It's it's a. Let me pull What's it up. What's it called? It's, I'll pull it right up yeah. and uh, hold on. Uh, 
It's in the London Book Review. It's called um, London Review of Books. It's called the Satoshi Affair. Mm-hmm. Okay, written by written, uh, yeah, written by Andrew O'Hagan. Satoshi Affair. It's it's a website on the London Review of Books. Yeah. So it's a long article about the backstory. Apparently, this journalist followed uh, Craig Wright over the last few months, mm. along for the reveal in May uh-huh. that turned out to be a, a full, faulty review reveal because he didn't actually provide cryptographic proof. Right. So it's compelling. I think it's quite compelling. And do you you know what if any effect on Bitcoin do you think this has? Well, the the other thing is that. Satoshi Nakamoto, the myth, the man, is now much bigger than anyone like like Craig Wright himself. Mm-hmm. The shoes are much, even Craig Wright, the real person, cannot fill the shoes of Satoshi Nakamoto. So the myth and the legend is now so huge that even when the real person comes out, it'll be it'll be just a disappointment. Right, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it that's what we're seeing. You know, he came out, and like I said, I thought there would be like. This would be huge news, and it's partly because he came out and said, this is my only interview I'm ever doing. I don't want all the attention. And I was thinking at the time, is that the best way to avoid attention, you know, going on national television <laughs> saying, I'm the guy that you have all been looking for? But, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I was kind of amazed at how quickly it, it dissipated. You know, people yeah. were just like, okay, whatever. There's more chapters to be written. I think yeah. there's going to be more stories about him and Satoshi Nakamoto. Right. So I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm happy that now we have a real candidate. In my mind, he's a real he's the only real candidate for mm-hmm. Satoshi. Uh, unfortunately, the two other guys, you know, passed away. Right. So there's a Kaufman guy, there's also um another guy, yeah, who passed away in the recent years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, cuz it, it would be interesting to to know, you know, again, we we touched on this last time because when we were talking about the decentralized nature and how it can't be influenced, we did touch on the fact that, well, if one person owns a s- so much, that provides a certain level of influence that they could have over Bitcoin price, market, etc. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is I made reference earlier to I see you talking at Stanford. I see you in Las Vegas. I see you in all these places talking about Bitcoin. You're, you're clearly one of the central figures in the industry globally because the company that you, you run is one of the main companies globally. Um, how, on a personal level, how do you keep up with, with this, you know, stamina-wise, interviews, <laughs> travel, the pressure of running a, a company with 115 employees in an industry that is, you know, hard to think of one that's more dynamic, uncertain, fast-moving. So what's, what's going on in, in Bobby Lee's world I, to I guess, stay above yeah, water? Some people say it's high pressure, but I've always lived a high-pressure life. Mm-hmm. I think uh, through high school, college, it's always been very competitive. So for me, it's not, it's not any different. Mm-hmm. Um, is it stressful? It, it, it is what it is. It is, it is a path that we've, we've taken. I mean, uh-huh. And real responsibilities are stressful. Any, any real responsibility job you take is stressful. I mean, you know, so, so, but, but most importantly, the reason I have the stamina and the passion is this is a lot of fun. This mm-hmm. is where my passion is. Yeah. I am so lucky to have, uh, to have, to be living in this era where digital currencies were first invented by mankind. Mm-hmm. There's no understatement. Uh, I witnessed the internet creation, or not creation, but the, the rise of the internet in the 1990s as a student at Stanford. Uh, you know, I wasn't responsible for any part of that industry, 
Uh, by the time I joined Yahoo, it was quite late already, 1998. Mm. Uh, but but this time around, I'm catching it at the beginning, more mm. or less at the beginning, in 2011, 2013. Right. So I'm very happy to be involved. Uh, Bitcoin won't die, so you know, for the so I'll be involved for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. So well, unless unless Bitcoin dies. Right? Yeah. Um, well, even if Bitcoin dies, I mean, if there's another virtual currency, you guys will be there dealing yeah, with we'll it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll not? see. Yeah, of course, of course. BTCC yeah. is more than just Bitcoin. And your exchange already Absolutely. deals with other currencies and Absolutely. stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. So we, we know that where this Bitcoin, we know that cryptocurrencies won't go away. Right. Digital assets won't go away. The notion that I can send you value, I can give you true value right. just by giving you a, a string of letters and numbers, that is not going to go away. Right. That once, you know, the cat is out of the bag, you know, the, the genie's out of the bottle, it, it's, that's the way we live in today. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I get that, you know, because you, you know, like you just said, you know, you're kind of, you're at the head of... It's like being the head of the internet in the early '90s. I don't mean the head of the internet, but you're you know you're involved yeah, in the, the company com- that yeah. for, on the at the forefront. Yes, and I can imagine that uh, that's very exciting for a number of different reasons. Not only you know the potential financial rewards, but just being involved in something so er- uh, world changing and so influential in people's lives. I mean, it must be very exciting. But beyond that excitement, that gives you the energy to fly around all these different places. Do you do anything? You know, I'm I'm a big geek for like how people manage stress and how people manage their health and all that stuff. Do you do anything? And it doesn't have to be like a meditation or a yoga. It could be like, you know, I eat gummy bears on the plane to keep me oh, satisfied or like, do you do anything to kind of like keep yourself going when uh, among I, I the don't, stress? I don't. I'm trying to think, do I? I don't think, I don't think I do. You just expand your Hawaiian <laughs> shirt collection from time to yes, time. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'm I I, uh, I guess I eat a lot when I'm stressed, so I gain weight <laughs> when I'm stressed. Right. But lately, I, I joined a gym, oh, good. started a personal trainer program. Good so I hope to get that back under control. Where are you going here yeah, in Shanghai? Yeah, in, in a gym in Gubei. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last couple questions. I'm not going to do the advice questions because you you answered those last time. But I just got three fun ones for you. Yeah, please. If you could put a billboard uh, anywhere in the world saying anything that you wanted to oh, say, gosh. where would it be, and what would you say? Wow, do I have an answer? And don't for that? talk about the Bitcoin uh, exchange because I, I saw your promo video for in Las Vegas, right? And I, I saw how you. Oh put, yeah, yeah, we we did that. Yeah, and, we did and, and in Shanghai point. as well. It was really yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, really yeah. cool. Well, but I mean, yeah. if you could say, if you could uh, send a message to a certain group of people on a billboard in a certain place, what would you say? I would say, and this may not fit on billboard, but essentially, I would say to the world, wake up and think about what really is money. Mm-hmm. Because in my last six years journey with uh, – five, I guess five years technically with, with Bitcoin, my, my learnings and my understanding of it, my view of money has changed. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize money – today I think I have a better understanding of money and I didn't realize it mm-hmm. back then. I was more naive. Yeah. We just took money for granted. What's in a wallet, the paper currencies, yeah. the bank account balances. We didn't, I didn't understand the unfairness, the situation with money globally. So I have a better understanding of it. I've read a lot of books. Yeah. There's a book called Web of Debt. That's quite good. Mm-hmm. Web of Debt. That's uh, kind of an old one, right? If I'm, yeah, I think it's I think yeah, it's, it's not it's well. not a new one. Yeah. Uh, of course, with Bitcoin books, there's the Digital Gold, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Popper. Um, I've read a lot of books recently about economy, money, and stuff like that. And so I'm learning myself. So that would be kind of the message for Billboard: say, Hey, people out there, you're you're working away, you're you're working away hard every week, trying to get a paycheck, paying for your li- lifestyle. Uh, trying to make ends meet, and what is money? Yeah, do what you, is money? Do you, do you really want? know what that's in your do you bank know what account? What it is exactly? Yeah, do right. you 
you know, if you want to put away savings, you want to buy stocks or real estate or whatever mm-hmm. or Bitcoin. Yeah. What are you doing really? What do you really want to accomplish? Right. Think about that. And as a, just a, a quick follow-on question on that, when you're doing something like raising, because raising money, you know, that, the that, that, that stuff still happens with of U.S. Course. dollars or currencies of various kinds. Of course. Like, <laughs> what is your, you know, you, you deal in a world where you're, you're, you're preaching the gospel of a new form of currency. And as you just said, all your research has kind of wo- woken you up to be like, wow, you know, normal currencies, lots of problems. And, you know, that's why you're so passionate about this. But, you, you know, a lot of the big moves you have to make financially, raising money, all this kind of stuff, it's still happen in those things. How do you reconcile that, well, that kind of... It's, it's just a reality. Right. It's, it's, uh, there's no perfect just accept world. accept it and like, it's okay, just, yeah, in my, in, my, in my pocket, you'll find my wallet, which has renminbi in it. Right. I mean, th- there's no disillusion, you know, that, that we don't live in a world that is in the country, in the society where there is fiat money. Right. So I carry money. I create credit cards. You do what you got to do. And then do when the money do. winds up in your bank account, then you can change it to whatever you want. Exactly. You can change it to Bitcoin exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity. How much of your net worth do you think is in Bitcoin? I don't know. It's, it's a little bit. It's not too much. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be too specific. <laughs> I have a few hundred Bitcoins. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were a superhero, yeah. which one would you be and why? Not which one would you want to be, which one, like if we took Bobby and he became, if Stanley, you know, turned you into one of his existing superheroes, which one would you be? Um, what a great question. Superheroes, huh? I have no idea. You know, it's, I, I, I have no idea. I sympathize with that answer because <laughs> I asked, I, I was interviewing uh, Grant Horsfield, uh, the founder of Naked, um, yeah. yesterday. And uh, he, he came up with an answer really quick. And I was making dinner last night. And I thought, what if I'd thrown that answer at myself? I, I was there for 20 minutes. I couldn't, I couldn't think of what yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally came up with one. But so we'll, we'll, we'll go. Yeah. I, like, I like Iron Man. Right. I like Iron Man. I'm, I'm a sort of geeky, high-tech kind of guy. Ingenuity. That, yeah, that kind of yeah. Thing. I yeah. mean, that yeah, fits. That yeah, fits. I, guess, I didn't I think about like that Iron one. Man. We got these titanium things in front yeah, of us. Yeah, exactly. Kind of exactly. Um, what's the hardest part of your job? The hardest part of my job is um, is is to is to wake up every day and convince myself I'm not crazy, oh. because well, okay, it's not literally what happens, but well, I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like put some words the, on the that. The view I'm 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 speaking, the view I'm trying to preach that cryptocurrencies are so important to mankind. It is a little bit out there. It's unconventional. For it's sure. unconventional. Yeah, people everywhere I see, even yourself. I mean, we we hold real money. We use credit cards. We use debit cards. We buy stocks. We buy homes. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see money disappearing. So that's the real world. But but what I do, the re- But one would help you understand it better is because I I've been fascinated with money. You know, as a young from a, as a young boy. Yeah, I have. You know, paper notes from old days. Me ago. too. Yeah. Coin collections, so paper notes. Everyone recently, I got a hundred hundred Hong Kong dollars. Uh-huh. That's from nineteen ninety two, pre handover. So I kept that. I didn't spend. It. I just kept it. Yeah. And I know by keeping it, I'm actually taking it out of circulation. I, I'm actually poor by a hundred Hong Kong dollars because I can't use it to buy things. Right. But I kept it, and I have these old notes of U.S. dollars, twenty dollars, hundred dollars from the old days, and so on, and. They're not necessarily in great shape, but it reminds me of how much money used to be back then. Or the Hong Kong dollar in 1992, the hundred, 
that was that could go far. That could go f- pay for lunch for for you know for several people mm-hmm. at a at a low scale restaurant. Not but anymore today, in Hong not Kong. anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So same with the twenty U.S. dollar note, hundred dollars. It was in the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. Hundred dollars U.S. was a lot. Yeah. And it's that frustration that it's the same piece of paper now. It's lost value. Mm-hmm. It should be so much more. Yeah. People in China who hold the the blue version of the hundred RMB, that was massive. Uh-huh. That was massive. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you hold the Bitcoin, where there's this block of Bitcoin Nugget twenty five. You know, twenty years from now, it's going to be the opposite. Right. This is going to be worth be so much more. Yeah. And not so less. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So today, yeah. what this block can buy you versus in 20 years, it's going to be the opposite. Yeah. And that's what I find fascinating about Bitcoin. And I, I do think that's healthy, especially when when you're involved in something and your daily activities are so much in the in promoting something and working to bring something about. I think it's good to challenge your assumptions. You know, maybe not every day, but to, to wake up and be like, am I looking at this through the clearest lens possible? And I think if you do, you know, that's why Bitcoin has such a strong following because it has so many things that just scream like this is legitimate, you know. Yeah. But the fact that the status quo changes a lot slower than your personal perceptions and opinions yeah. means that it's constantly giving you pause for like is exactly, it? Is it? exactly, is it? Is it? I really think it is, but is it? You know, like yeah. and, and that feedback between the, the 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 world outside and and what you see and what you, what you believe. Yeah. It is frustrating. Yeah, there's there's an inherent conflict there. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, obviously you, you're winning that daily battle. And we'll see. We'll therefore see. Therefore, you we'll keep see. marching forward. Yeah, we don't want to be like Leonardo da Vinci where he invents all these things that never get implemented. Right, He's right. way ahead of his time. Sure. That doesn't seem to be the case <laughs> we'll with see. you guys. You, you're we'll doing we well. Could, we could be ahead of our time. We'll see. <laughs> uh, well, Bobby, I, uh, as anticipated, went over time. I, I apologize for that, but you should know better by now that that's how it's going to go with me. Um, last thing is, do you want to speak to the audience? Do you want to promote anything that's coming up do you want to give them an avenue to contact you guys anything like that uh let's see our website is btcc.com mm-hmm. you know everybody if you're interested in bitcoins come buy a physical bitcoin titanium btcc mint uh go to mint.btcc.com that's m-i-n-t m-i-n-t.btcc.com mm-hmm. that's where you can learn more about it see the videos we have a really nice video introduction really cool it. for gifts and stuff too yeah I good for gifts just, yeah. yeah you should give it to all graduating students college or high school yeah a good graduation gift yeah cool yeah well bobby thank you very much for giving me the time again today it's always a pleasure to speak with you i feel like we should make this like an annual sort of thing because just so much happens in the interim period uh, and i always want to hear more from what you guys are doing at btcc and the ways you're introducing new products and services expanding your your operations globally so thank you for coming on again and uh hopefully we'll speak to you again in the future great great thank you john thanks for having me take care bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.